0: This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. Welcome. Thank you so much for allowing us to come into your home today and Spend the next several minutes with you just growing in our relationship with God. You know, our heartbeat is that you know God and that you are the best you that you can be. And that comes by knowing the heartbeat of our Heavenly Father. And we've been talking about being confident in knowing the will and the plan of God for our life. And today we're going to talk about that it pays to obey. A lot of times people think that it costs to obey, but it pays to obey. So let's go to Job chapter 36, verse 11 and 12 is where we're going to start today. And if you have your Bible pens, notepad, your device, whatever you take notes on and whatever you read on, uh, if you would go there with me, Job 36, verse 11 and 12, and it says, if they obey and serve Him. Now, I want to pause there for a moment. If is a conditional word, if they obey and serve Him. Now, think about what true servanthood is. Servanthood is serving someone the way they want to be served, not us serving them the way we think they should be served. And a lot of times in churches and in our relationship with God, we want to serve God on our terms. We want to go to church on our terms. We want to to give on our terms. We'll do it as long as it's convenient. But true servanthood is saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. How would you like me to give? How would you like me to serve? How would you like me to pray? How would you like me to believe? And we find that out by His Word. If they obey and serve Him, notice what He says, they spend their days in prosperity, their years in pleasures. But if they do not obey, they perish by the sword and they shall die without knowledge. So He says, okay, if you obey, and serve Him according to His Word, according to the leading of the Holy Spirit, that you're going to spend your days in prosperity. But if you don't obey, there's consequences to not obeying. Remember, it pays to obey. Isaiah 119, it says, If we be willing and obedient, we'll eat the good of the land. Notice if, the the, the word if is in both of these scriptures. If we're willing and obedient. Willingness has to do with our attitude obedience has to do with our action how willing are you to do it God's way how willing are you to go everywhere he tells you to go and do what he tells you to do how willing are you if we're willing and obedient obedience is an action it pays to obey God now go with me to Luke 17 and we're going to talk about the importance of obeying to completion that a lot of times it's we get excited about the things of God, we hear God, we're applying His Word, we, we hear that God has a good plan for our life and, and that He wants us to know His will. But, but let's look at some things that can help us grow in our faith. You know, we're, we're all believing for signs, wonders, and miracles. We're believing to come up in our relationship with God. We're believing for things to get stronger in our marriage and our finances and our physical body and whatever we're called and created to do. And so listen to what's taking place here. In Luke chapter 17, we'll start in verse 3. He says, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Verse 5, And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. Now think about what he's saying right here. We're talking about the importance of obeying. You know, I've I've been asked not to teach on obedience in certain churches as I travel and stuff because it, it it causes people to you know resist and and but there's no way we can walk in relationship with God without obedience. See a lot of times, especially in our culture today, that we want to carry our democratic mindset over into the kingdom. And you can't operate in the kingdom with a democratic mindset. We can't vote whether we're going to do God's will or not. We can't, whether if I like it or if I like the personality or if it feels good or if it, no, in the kingdom, we have a king and his name is Jesus over 7,000 times. He refers to the word Lord in the Bible. And Lord means master. Lord means that we give him right to speak into our life. And whenever he speaks into our life, we're going to obey whatever the king says. We want to obey. He's a good father. He has a good plan. You know, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says that He has a good plan, that He's prearranged for you and I before the foundations of the earth. And when we come into the family of God by calling on the name of Jesus, it says, now let's choose to walk in this good plan. It's a choice to obey. If you're willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. If we obey and serve Him, we'll spend our days in prosperity. If, if, how willing are you? How's your heart? And right here, Jesus is talking to the disciples. And he says, if, if a guy does you wrong and he asks you to forgive him seven times for the same sin in the same day, he says, forgive him. In Matthew 18, verse 21, 22, he says, if, if he comes against you seven times in uh, the same day, sinning against you, he says, not only seven times, but seven times 70, you forgive him of the same sin in the same day. That's 490 times. That's every three minutes in a day. If you don't go to sleep, forgive the person. So notice, notice how the disciples respond. And in verse six, and so the Lord said, if, if you have faith, so they're saying, increase our faith. In other words, we we need more faith to walk in the character of God. We need more faith to walk in the nature of God. We need the faith to do what you're calling us to do, to, to, to forgive this person, to love this person. And Jesus is saying, you have the ability to forgive. Your ability is inexhaustible. You have the ability to love. Romans 5.5 says, The love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit, that you have what it takes to walk in victory. And Jesus is talking to them about this. And they said, Lord, increase our faith. Now, Jesus wasn't talking about taking the five loaves and the two fish and multiplying it to feed 5,000. He wasn't talking about opening the blind eyes. He wasn't talking about calming the sea. He wasn't talking about removing mountains at this moment. He was talking about walking in the character and nature of God. And the disciple says, I need more faith. Increase my faith. Verse 6. So the Lord says, if you have faith as a mustard seed. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Translation. And the Lord answered, if you had faith, trust, and confidence in God, even so small like a grain of mustard seed you could say to this mulberry tree be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you so notice what he's saying right here he's saying if you have faith now if you're born again child of god i want you to know you have the faith of god on the inside of you romans 12:3 says to every one of us is dealt the measure of faith now You've probably heard Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith that is not of yourself, it is a gift of God. So when you come into the kingdom of God, you come in by faith. When you come into the family of God, you're given the measure of the God kind of faith. When you come into the family of God, then he tells you and I to live by faith. Romans 1:17. Then he tells us to walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Galatians uh, 5, 6. He says, so you come in by faith. You live by faith. You walk by faith. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, we please God by faith. And right here, Jesus says, guys, if you have faith. So let's settle it. We have faith. If you've called upon the name of Jesus, and if you haven't called upon the name of Jesus, do it. Do it right now while you're sitting here watching this. And just ask Jesus, simply, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And at that time, you become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And he he goes on to say, now you have the faith of God. He says, if you have faith as small as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots, be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So notice saying and obeying. Go on in verse 7, will any man of you, so he, he lets them know you have faith. He says, if you'll use your faith and say, faith always is connected to our saying. Second Corinthians 4.13 says, we have the same spirit of faith. We believe, therefore we speak. So our speaking is going to be in alignment with what God says in His Word in order for our faith to be released. Just like a while ago, you believed in your heart. Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10. You believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you declare with your mouth, Jesus, you are my Lord. And at that time, you become saved, born again, a child of God, come from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Once again, if you haven't done it, do it right now. He says, this is what faith does. Faith says, faith says whatever it's wanting to take place. And he says, when you say... The mulberry tree is going to obey, say and obey. How many things are you saying and they're obeying? Whether it's speaking to a sickness or disease, whether it's speaking to storms, whether it's speaking to uh, situations in life, he says that it's supposed to obey what you and I say. I know that's foreign to a lot of people, but it's not foreign to God. Ephesians 5.1 says, Be imitators of God as dear children. You and I are supposed to imitate our Heavenly Father. How did Jesus operate? He, he spoke to sickness. He spoke to fever. He spoke to waves. He spoke to demons. He spoke to eyes. He spoke to ears. He spoke to fever. He, he spoke to things. And Jesus saying, They're saying, Increase my faith. He says, You, you have faith, so say, and what you say is going to obey. Verse 7. Luke 17, verse 7. "'Will any man of you who has a servant,' notice this, he goes on and he starts explaining what faith does. "'Will any man of you who has a servant plowing or tending sheep say to him when he he comes in from the field, come at once and take your place at the table? Will he not instead tell him, get my supper ready and gird yourself and serve me while I eat and drink? Then afterward you yourself shall eat and drink.'" IS HE GRATEFUL AND DOES HE PRAISE THE SERVANT BECAUSE HE DID WHAT HE WAS ORDERED TO DO? EVEN SO, ON YOUR PART, WHEN YOU HAVE DONE EVERYTHING, NOTICE THAT, WHEN YOU HAVE DONE EVERYTHING THAT WAS ASSIGNED AND COMMANDED YOU, SAY, WE ARE UNWORTHY SERVANTS, POSSESSING NO MERIT, FOR WE HAVE NOT GONE BEYOND OUR OBLIGATION. WE HAVE MERELY DONE WHAT WAS OUR DUTY TO DO. SO JESUS IS TALKING ABOUT FAITH AND ABOUT WHAT WE SAY, OBEYING WHAT WE SAY. And he says, verse 7, Is there any man who has a servant plowing or tending sheep say to him when he's come in from the field come at once and take your place at the table? Will he not instead tell him get my supper ready, gird yourself and serve me while I eat and drink then afterward you yourself shall drink. So what's the purpose of the servant in this story? That the servant doesn't just start the project. Yeah, they might have been working hard to to plow the fields. You know, I grew up Helping my granddad, and my aunts and uncles, and we we would we would work in the fields. We would pick pick weeds. We would hoe weeds. We would we'd be out in the fields, and it and it takes work to plow. Even with the greatest technology nowadays, it takes a lot of effort and time and understanding. And it's phenomenal what our farmers do for our country. But he's saying this servant is working. The servant is tending sheep. The servant, whether it's cattle or horses or sheep, the servant's working. And you don't let them get partway through their job and let them sit down. No, when they come in, you have them continue on until their job is complete. Now he's talking about faith. Increase our faith. And then he starts using this example that whatever the servant is told to do, the servant needs to obey to completion. And then he he tells us in, in verse 10, even so on your part, when you have done everything that was assigned and commanded you, say we're unworthy servants, possessing no merit. And he goes on to say, I've done everything I was supposed to do. So part of us getting results, us seeing the healing power of God, miracles, signs, wonders, in order for the things that we speak to to obey us, we've got to step back and are we obeying? Are we obeying the last thing that God told us to do? Are we obeying what we're learning at church? Are we obeying God's Word? Are we obeying the Spirit of God? Are we obeying uh, the authorities that God puts into our life? Or do we have a willing and obedient, do we have a submitted heart to God? You know, the Bible says in the last days, Let's go over there, 2 Timothy 3, 5, and this paints such a picture of where we're at today. You can just look around and see where we're at, and it says, but know this, that in, this is 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money boasters proud blasphemers disobedient to parents unthankful unholy unloving unforgiving slanders without self-control brutal despisers of good traitors, headstrong haughty lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of god listen to this verse five having a form of godliness but denying its power from such people turn away they've denied the power he says it's very important that you turn away don't don't have a form of godliness in other words we're we're going through the motions we're saying the right things we we go to church we have the t-shirts we have the bumper stickers we have the caps we have the whatever it is But is there power in our life? God wants there to be power. Power is the ability to get results. He wants the power of God to show up at our house, not just in in four walls of a building. He wants the power of God out on the job site. He wants the power of God in our marriages, in our kids, in our finances, in our physical body. He says, don't have a form of godliness where you look the part, you sound the part, but really there's no, no demonstration of the will of God in our life. He wants us confident that we're walking in the will and plan of God for our life. He says, so, so you go back to what Jesus is saying. He's saying, obey to completion. Because when you obey, what you say will obey you. So if you're not obedient, if you're not an obedient person, if you're not willing, you don't. your heart's not right towards the things of God, you only obey when it's convenient. You only obey when you want to. You only obey when it feels good. You only obey, you know, if you've had enough sleep, whatever the case is. He says, in order for me to get results, what I'm speaking to obey in me, I've got to be obedient to the authorities in my life, to the Word of God, to the Spirit of God, to the anointing of God, to the leadership of God. Now go with me to Matthew chapter 8. Now, I know this isn't talked about a lot in Christian circles, but it's time for you and I to rise up and get results in our life. That that God wants us to walk in the power of God and and we hear that power of life is, is in the tongue. You know, James tells us that our tongue is like a rudder on a ship and that when we continue to stay consistent and we we speak life to our situation, that whatever condition our life is in, it's going to turn around no matter how intense the storm is, no matter how intense the waves are, that if we stay consistent saying what God says, our finances will turn around, our physical body will turn around, our destiny will turn around, our marriage will turn around, our kids will turn around by what comes out of our mouth. And, and Jesus is saying, guys, you can speak to the tree and be confident and it's going to obey you when like a servant of faith you're being obedient so to the degree of my obedience determines the degree of my faith that's really good i hope you wrote that down the 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 level of my obedience determines the level of my faith now i can hear the word of god and romans 10 17 says faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of god and i can have a head full of knowledge but but God wants there to be results. We want to take it from our head to our heart, and He says, part of this, you can be confident that whatever you speak to is going to obey you because you're being obedient. Matthew chapter eight. Now this is the the story of the centurion. We're going to start in verse five in the New King James Version. And now when Jesus had heard, had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying. Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Notice that only speak a word. Remember what Jesus was talking to the disciples that you have faith. Now now speak to the mulberry tree. And right here he says, Only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, Go and he goes, and to another, Come and he comes. And to my servant, Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, no, not even in Israel. Now notice this. So this centurion, a centurion at this time, In the Roman, um, this guy was a conqueror of nations. Okay, so a centurion, there's in the Roman army, there was the commander who was over 6,000 soldiers in the legion. Now underneath the commander was the centurion and there were 60 centurions that, that ran the legion and under each centurion, there was 100 men. And so this this soldier, this conqueror of nations, recognized the authority and power that Jesus walked in. And he asked Jesus, my, my servant's at home and he's paralyzed. He says, but you don't even have to come to my house. I understand that you're a man under authority. He says, I'm a man under authority. And I realized that when I say to this one, go, and he goes, and another one, come, and he comes. and And he was saying, because... What I say, they obey me because I'm submitted to my commander. He says, I'm under authority, so I'm in authority. He's saying, because I follow through with what's told me to do, when I say something, it's done. And he said, Jesus, I recognize that you're under the authority of the Father. Whenever you speak, whatever you speak to, it obeys you. See, it pays to obey. It, every time we obey... Our faith increases, not just hearing it. Part of faith is hearing it. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But faith is doing it. So the centurion is saying, I obey. And when I obey my commanding officer, I not only have his backing, I have the whole government's backing. And so when I speak to the people under me, they go and they come. They do what I say. Now, remember, Jesus is telling the disciples, you have faith. And you can speak to the mulberry tree and it's going to obey you as long as you obey to completion. Obey to completion. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. And if He is the author and finisher, He's the developer. He's all that we need in between on a daily basis to help us walk in victory upon this earth. Regardless of who's in office, regardless of the government, regardless of what anybody else says, Nobody is bigger than the God that we serve, and nobody can stop the plan and will of God for our life but us. And so where Jesus is letting us in, he says, I haven't found such great faith in all Israel. When I look at my mother Mary, I haven't found this type of faith. When I look at the 12, I haven't found this type of faith. When I look around, I haven't found this, but I have found it in this man that understands that because I obey what's being told me, and I speak what I speak to, it obeys he said, Jesus, I recognize the same thing is happening to you. Now, remember Jesus in Luke 17 in verse 10, he says, so you and I should do the same thing. When we obey to completion, obey to completion, obey to completion. When we obey to completion, obey. Don't just start. We get excited at church and woo, we get started. But don't just start. It's easy to start. Finish. Be a finisher. Finish in your destiny. Finish when it comes to your dream. Finish when it comes to the will of God for your life. Be a finisher. Don't you be a quitter. You're a finisher. It pays to obey. Now go with me to Genesis chapter 22. So they're telling us in order for us to walk in greater faith, it's going to be connected to our obedience. Great faith, great obedience. Obeying to completion, not just starting something, not just obeying when everything's good. You know, it's easy to obey when everything's going great. It's easy to obey when you're at church. It's easy to obey uh, when the sun's shining, the birds are chirping, but... How about when all hell is broke loose? How about when the economy's doing this and that? How about when the pressure is on? How about the doctor says this or that or, or people are against you? How, how about that? Are you going to continue to obey? How about when you haven't seen any change out here in the natural? All you see is hell and torment and, and things that contradict the word. I'm encouraging you, according to God's word, stay with the process. Keep obeying all the way to completion and faith will increase as we obey to completion. Genesis 22, verses 1 through 3. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. And he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood and the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place for which God told him. And you can keep reading this in your own time. You can go all the way through this chapter here. But I wanna I wanna go down to verse seventeen and eighteen, and what happens here is is remember we're obeying to completion. Faith increases when we obey to completion. So Abraham, there's nothing In the the world, that meant more to him than his son Isaac. And God says, "All right, Abraham, I want you to take your son and I want you to offer him. I want you to sacrifice him. And so the Bible says Abraham got up early and he obeyed. But then it was a three day journey. Think about the process that was going on in his mind. He was a person just like you and I. and The enemy was coming after his thinking and the pressure was on. And I'm sure he's trying to figure it out in his mind, but he just kept obeying. And he kept obeying and he kept obeying and he kept obeying. Then he, he sees Mount Moriah and he leaves the other servants and stuff there. And he tells them, the boy and I are going to go and we're going to worship, but we will come back. And he gets up there. And as they're walking up the mountain, you know, uh, Abraham has a fire pot in one hand, has the knife in the other hand. And his son, Isaac, is carrying the wood. And 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 Isaac says, uh, Father, and, and once again, Abraham says, Yes, son, here I am. And he says, where's, where's the sacrifice? I see the, the knife. I see the fire. I see the wood. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, son, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. He's obeying one step at a time. He don't know how God's going to provide. He don't know how this is going to turn out. All he knows is what God told me to do, and I'm going to obey no matter what it looks like. Remember, faith increases not when we start, but when we obey to completion. And so Abraham, he, he gets the wood set up, and he, he ties Isaac and he puts him on the altar, and all the way to the point that he lifts up his hand and he's going to sacrifice his son, and the angel stops him, and he says, don't, "Don't you touch the lad. don't you touch the boy." And the Bible says that he brought his knife down and he looked around, and there was a lamb that was there before the foundations of the world. See, the provision had, was connected to the obedience. Just like your provision is connected to your obedience, it pays to obey. Now, will there be difficult times along the way? You better believe it. I mean, think of the dream that Joseph had. He was going to be the, the ruler of Egypt and his brothers were going to bow down to him and his dad was going to bow to, down to him. But it didn't happen overnight. I mean, he kept obeying God and then he went through some difficult things. He, he got sold into slavery. He got thrown into a pit. He was uh, accused of, of rape. I mean, he is a, this one thing got thrown in prison. But for almost 17 years, he kept obeying, he kept obeying, he kept obeying, he kept obeying, he kept obeying because in that process, his character was being developed to be the ruler of Egypt, second in command, one of the most influential men in the world. See, it pays to obey. Don't you know that when he was promoted to the second in command that he was so thankful he didn't give up because it got tough? He was so thankful that he didn't get mad at his brothers? He was so thankful. He didn't let bitterness and unforgiveness set down in his heart. You, you think of David. He was anointed to be the next king of Israel. And he didn't go out and get his business cards made up that said, next king of Israel, and start handing them out and everything. No, what did he do? He went back and he obeyed to completion. And he served Saul in the, in the palace. And he was on the worship team. And he was faithful taking care of his dad's sheep. And he was faithful. And there was a lot of development until he became one of the greatest leaders we've ever seen. So it pays to obey but on the way to becoming everything God's called and created us to be, hold on to what God has told you. Don't just start something, finish something. When you finish, your faith increases. And right here, the angel stops Abraham and listen, listen to what he says after he provides the lamb. And at that place, Abraham, he identified a, a, a side of God's character and nature, Jehovah-Jireh, the God who sees and the God who provides. He says, at this place... God, I realize, think of the relief that was on the inside of Abraham, that the thing that he committed to God, the thing that he sacrificed to God, the thing that he had worked so hard for, believing God for all these years was manifest, and God told him to sacrifice. And and don't you know he was so relieved whenever whenever God provided a, a ram? And it goes on in verse 17, because of his obedience, blessing... I will bless you and multiply and I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Verse 18, In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Abraham's obedience not only affected his son and wife and it affected you and I. You know, in James chapter 2, he tells us that faith isn't just hearing or faith isn't just saying. Faith is connected to our obedience. And the Bible refers to Abraham as the father of our faith. And it says he showed us how to live by faith, by his obedience. He says faith without works, it's dead, it's inactive, it's inoperative. But right here, God says, In blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply you. And it's going to affect your descendants. And you are going to possess the gate of your enemies because you have obeyed. It pays to obey. It pays to obey. If you're willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. You overcome the enemy as you obey. The more you obey, the more confidence you have in the character and nature of God, the more your faith increases, not by starting something, but obeying to completion. Now go with me to to 1 Samuel chapter 15. So you see Abraham was a great example of someone who obeyed to completion. Now 1 Samuel 15 we have how Saul, he partially obeyed. So how are we doing? When we when we think of the Word of God, we hear the Word of God, we need to step back, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, and examine our own faith. You know, how am I doing when it comes to obeying what I'm learning? How am I doing when it comes to obeying... God-ordained authority. How am, I, how am I doing? Am I doing the last thing that God told me to do? Am I obeying to completion? First Samuel 15, listen to this. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord that says, The Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now listen to this. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all they have and do not spare them. But kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep and camel and donkey. Now, so his directive from the Lord was to completely destroy him. Don't leave anything left. He says, I want you, this is, this is your assignment. Now, verse 11, verse 10 now the word of the Lord came to Samuel because what happened is, is Saul takes the people and they go out and they kill thousands of animals. They almost did everything exactly the way God told them to do it, but they didn't kill the best of the sheep or the best of the cattle. They didn't kill the king. And and Saul wanted to give the animals to the people to sacrifice to the Lord. And you know the people were thinking, man, what what a godly king we have here. He's wanting to sacrifice to the Lord. And so as Saul's doing this, see, we can, we can justify our relationship with God. We can think that we're being obedient by partially doing stuff. By, well, I kind of, I'm going to, I know God told me to do that, but I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to, I'm going to put some of my reasoning in it. I'm going to, and, and God is merciful and God is gracious and God wants to help us. He's a good father and, and his grace is sufficient. And so when we mess up, we ask for forgiveness and we get right back in the game. But listen to what happens here. Saul, he did part of it. And in verse 10, now the word of the Lord came to Samuel. He's the prophet in this situation. And God comes to him, verse 11, I greatly regret that I've set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieves Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night long. So Samuel knew the heart of God. He anointed Saul as king over Israel. But now when Saul didn't obey, God shows back up to Samuel and says, Man, I regret that I put him in this position. And Samuel, his heart is just heard, and he calls out to God all night long. In verse 12, So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel. Indeed, he set up a monument for himself. And he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandments of the Lord. So notice this. Samuel shows up. And Saul thought he did what God told him to do. He didn't obey to completion, but he did most of it. And so this is his response Blessed are you of the Lord, I have performed the commandments of the Lord verse 14 but Samuel said what then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear and Saul said they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God and the rest we have utterly destroyed the rest we have utterly destroyed Verse 16, And Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. So Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, you were, not, were you not head of the tribes of Israel, and did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners and Amalekites and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on a mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. So listen, notice, notice what's taking place here. Saul was anointed king. God gave him a word. He stepped out and he did almost all of it. But see, partial obedience is still disobedience. It's just like partially doing a job. You might as well not do the job at all. If the job doesn't get done, don't do the job. We want to obey to completion. And right here... You know, Saul says, blessed are you, Samuel, I did what God told me to do. (laughs) And the man of God said, be quiet. Listen, I want you to listen to what the Lord said. Why? Why did you partially obey? See, what happens is, is, and I want you to track with me this process here. When you and I first give our life to Jesus, we become a new creation on the inside and our heart is so sensitive to the things of God. And remember the first time that you disobeyed God after you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's like sticking a knife in your gut and you're just like, oh, Lord, I apologize for, for sinning. I know better than to do that. And, and you ask for forgiveness and you get right back in it. But, but if we keep hearing God's word and we keep rejecting God's word, what happens is a is a veil goes over our heart, and the next time we disobey, the next time we sin, the next time we go against God's word, we don't feel that conviction as much anymore. And it's like a it's like a strong pinch or something on your skin. It's like ah, but if we keep disobeying there's a pattern there we have a form of godliness but we deny the power we're going through the motions but we're ignoring what the Holy Spirit is saying we're not doing what we're hearing we're not doing what authorities ask we're not obeying to completion there's a veil that goes over our heart until we don't even feel the Holy Spirit anymore in our heart And when I say feel I'm not talking about out here I'm talking about in here now Even in that place of disobedience, even in that place of being separated from God, even in that place of having a form of godliness, but denying the power, God wants you and I to come out of that. He wants us to walk in intimacy with Him. He wants us to walk in relationship with Him. He wants us to fulfill the plan and will of God for our life. So what happens is if if we don't listen to the Spirit of God, then He'll send a physical person that maybe where you maybe you're hearing this message right now and I'm that voice in your life or maybe it's a pastor or a spouse or a friend that God speaks through and they might not even know that God's speaking through them to get your attention. And then if you you continue to disobey, well eventually you end up walking in destruction and you never fulfill the calling, the assignment, the destiny that God has for your life because you keep rejecting. You keep now listen, we're seeing this all over the world right now. I want you to hold your place there, and I might come back, I might not. But go with me to Matthew 24. This is a very powerful description of what's taking place in today's society. And, and four different times, um, he refers to don't, don't let yourself be deceived. Now, that this is what's taking place. Saul, back in 1 Samuel 15, he had a habit of being disobedient that he, he thought he was more than he was. And he, he, in, in the beginning, remember Samuel said, you realized that you needed God. You realized that you know, it was an honor that God would use you. You realized that everything you had came from God, but you got to this point where you thought you would put your will over God's will. And, and what happened, because he did not repent, 1 Samuel 16, you see that he lived a life tormented by demonic spirits until it totally destroyed his calling and destiny. It wasn't God doing it to him. It was his choices of not accepting and welcoming the Word of God, realizing that God is good and God is faithful and God wants to help us and He wants to to come into relationship with Him in greater measures. He wants us to walk in power and authority. And in, in Matthew 24... You have all the signs of the time, the wars or rumors of war. Listen, listen to verse 10 and many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. The many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Notice this, he gives us a description of what's taking place. Now, remember the word offend comes from a Greek word scandalizo, I believe is how you say it. And it paints the picture of somebody running their race and then there's a trap and they get to looking at the trap. I know when I was a little boy, you know, I would, I would set up the, the shoe boxes with the stick underneath it right there. And I'd have a little string and hoping a, a rabbit or a squirrel or something would play with the trip stick and just whop, you know, it would catch them. Well, that's what offense does. You get to playing with that hurt. You get to thinking about what they did wrong to you. you. Begin to play with it and snap, it catches you. He says, and whenever a person stays offended, Jesus said in the last days, many will be offended. Many means a majority, 51%, many, many. But make a decision. I'm not going to be a part of the many that are offended. I'm going to be a part of the many that endure to the end. So they, they, they play with the... The trip switch, the fence, and then notice what he says. He says, then they betray. Betray means to separate from the people that God's called you to because you're offended. Separate from the church because you're offended. Separate from divine connections because you're offended. Separate from the spouse that God has brought into your life because you get offended. And so there's betrayal. And then it says, then you'll hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. You know the devil is after your love. You're created in the image and likeness of God, and you are created to love God and love people. And if He can get your love, He wants your love to grow cold. It isn't like you, you know, I know in college we used to jack with each other all the time and then somebody would be in there showering and we'd get a trash can full of ice and water and just dump it on the person that ah, you know, so and that would happen immediately. I mean they were cold immediately. But right here, he says, the love of many will grow cold. The love, it isn't, you know, there's four different types of love. When you look in the Bible, there's eros. And, and this is a sexual love that a man and a woman have, a man and a woman. The people in the world have that type of love. People in the church have that type of love. Another love is a phileo. It's a brotherly kindness. The world has the brotherly kindness. The church has the brotherly kindness. There's, the third type is storge. And it's like a, what you have for you know a, a movie star or somebody like that. You're kind of in awe. People that don't know God have this love. People that do know God have this love. So it's out of the church and in the church. But this love is the love agape. And he's talking to the born-again children of God, and the enemy wants that love, agape, the love of God, to grow cold. And it all starts by being offended, and then betraying, and then being deceived. And then, uh, uh, what, what's the power of deception? Deception is when a person thinks they're right, like Saul did, but in all actuality, they're wrong. Deception, James, the half-brother of Jesus, in James chapter 1, verse 21 through 25, it says, the person who hears God's word and doesn't do what they're commanded to do, they deceive themselves. See, deception is a deceiving thing. The person can think they're right when all actuality, they're wrong because they're partially obeying Now remember, go back to what Jesus said. It says, if we want our faith to increase, if we want what we speak to to obey us, he says, you obey. To the degree of my obedience determines the degree of the manifestations of my faith working on the earth. Saul, he partially obeyed. And because he partially obeyed, he stepped into deception and he didn't become the person God had called and created him to be. So you have complete obedience and you have partial obedience. Where are you at in your journey? Now, don't get me wrong. God is merciful. God is gracious. And he wants us to repent and come back into relationship with him. But he wants our faith to produce. It, obe- it pays to obey. It pays to obey. Now, the word lawlessness, let's, let's look at that for a moment. The word lawlessness is the word anomia in the Greek. And it means that I'm going to put my will ahead of God's will. I'm going to put what I think above what God thinks. I'm going to put what I desire above what God desires. So, in other words, it says that the love of many... Um, so, he talks about offense, betrayal, love of one another, hate one another, false prophets, rise up, deceive many... And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Lawlessness will abound because many are putting their will above God's will. Many think, me and God, we got it all worked out. Have you heard that before? Yeah, me and God, we got our own thing worked out here. You and God don't have your own thing worked out. I'm just going to tell you. How do we know? Remember, true servanthood is I'm going to serve God the way that He wants to be served. Not the way I think he should be served. That's anomia. That's lawlessness. In First John 3, it says that lawlessness is sin. What, what is sin? Because a lot of times, <laughs> I, I know we're going over a lot here. Sin is lawlessness. Once again, lawlessness is when I put my will above God's will. I put my desire above God's desire. I put what I think above what God thinks. So, we want to make a decision. I'm going to obey God's word. Speaking of that, I want to go back. Hold your place there. 1 Samuel 15. And let's pick back up in our story with Saul. Notice what Samuel and God is speaking through Samuel in verse 22. And he says in the Amplified Translation, And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Now remember what Saul did. He says, I I did do what God told me to do, but I kept back the best of the sheep and to sacrifice. And he says, Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. He's saying obedience is better than your sacrifice. You can work long hours. You can act like you're going through the motions. You can do this. You can do that. But are you obeying God? He says obedience is better. Remember, it pays to obey Keep going, verse 23, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as idolatry, and he goes on to tell him about the power of rebellion and and stubbornness. Now, think about this, sin is as witchcraft. Now, you have people that perform witchcraft knowingly, and then you have people that perform witchcraft unknowingly he says when we disobey sin put our will above god's will it's as a witchcraft now we we don't think of witchcraft like this i mean this is a, a word in the hebrew a word in the greek it means sorcery divination And there's different types here. I mean, we think about people casting a spell. We think about Ouija boards. We think about all this type of stuff. You were to show up at my house and and there was, you know, chickens and blood and everything else behind me and everything. And you're like, oh my gosh, what's he doing? I'm like, I don't, don't mind that. Just a little bit of witchcraft. You want some tea? We would think, no, he's out of his mind. What's he doing? But that's what happens. That's what we're doing when we disobey. Sin is as Witchcraft. Now we're unknowingly doing it. We're not doing it on purpose, but we still open ourselves up to the influence of the enemy when we're disobeying. Now, when you when people go into the satanic occult and stuff, I mean, they're told to rebel and drink and do drugs, have illicit sex affairs, all this type of stuff because they know the more they rebel, the more demonic power they're influenced with. So the enemy is drawn to rebellion. I know this is a strong word. But God is drawn to obedience. The power of God is drawn to obedience. And a lot of times when we're thinking, well, I don't want to do that. It's against my will. I'm, I'm not going to do it. We're rebelling and we're opening ourselves up to the power of the enemy. So how, how can a person, if you've been living a life of disobedience where your life is a total mess, how can he turn that around? By being obedient, if they obey and serve him, they'll spend their days in in prosperity and their years and pleasures forevermore. If they're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Obedience is better than sacrifice. It pays to obey. And a lot of times people think, well, I'll obey when I have this big opportunity. No, you won't. (laughs) No, you won't. Oh, I'm going to obey when I have millions. I'll give some. No, you won't. You're lying to yourself we learn to obey in the little things. Think of how Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane had so much pressure on him, he's sweating drops of blood. And he says, Lord, not my will, but your will. How did he have that tenacity? How did he have that strength? It was by what he did on a daily basis. It's what we do daily. When we obey in the little things, every time we obey, it strengthens our will. It strengthens our soul. It strengthens us. It's better to obey. And if you've been disobeying, ask for forgiveness and get back in the game. So look around your life right now and think, how can I obey? How can I get right back on track? Repent. 1 John 1, 9, you, you, you receive the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. You ask God to forgive you. You receive your forgiveness and get right back in the game. And Jesus said, when you obey, your faith increases. So just daily, when you start something, finish it. When you start the, the going through your notes, finish them. When you start that workout, finish it. When you just, just, just today, in today, you have the ability to obey God and watch God change your world forever. Now, I know we've talked about a lot of powerful things today, and I, I believe that if you'll just take time to get this in your heart, It'll change your life forever. And you'll be confident, confident in knowing God's will, confident in knowing the plan of God, confident in being everything that God has called and created you to be. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Trey Johnson with Being Your Best, and I look forward to seeing you again next time.